the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. I'm Carly Becker and I'm a dairy educator based in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Joining us today is Mary Janowski from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Thanks for being with us today, Mary. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at University of Nebraska? Sure, so I am a beef systems specialist with the University of Nebraska. I've been there oh, almost a decade, I think nine years. Um, well, I am a ruminant nutritionist by training, uh, of course, focusing on beef. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> and most of what I do actually, you know, most of you would probably think I'm a ruminant nutritionist. I do a lot of rations and, and help with feed inventory and those types of things. And yes, I do that. But my particular expertise uh, currently is actually working in integrated crop livestock. So mostly looking at how we produce forage from cropland. So I do a lot of grazing research on cover crops and corn residue, of course. And then uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is silage. So uh, that's another part of the integrated crop livestock and, and utilizing silage for cattle, as well as being able to plant something after silage and, and double crop. So that's a lot of what I kind of look at. Favorite parts about my job? are helping ag producers, of course. Yep. Um, that is probably the best part of my job. Also helping young people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I work with a lot of graduate students and that is a particular favorite of mine. Watching them grow and develop over time is kind of fun. And then I get to learn something new every day and use that knowledge to help do a better job at the first two. So it's kind of a nice uh, job that's always a little bit different. every. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And so today we invited you on this episode because you're an expert in this area. So we're going to talk about common issues that cause silage loss and how to overcome it. So our first question is, what are some common issues that contribute to silage losses? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of this people would know, right? Getting the silage moisture content right. If it's too wet, you get the wrong type of fermentation and, and we lose dry matter and nutrients to the wrong type of fermentation, which is clostridial bacteria. If it's too dry, we don't get it packed well, and thus we lose it to more of the oxygen bacteria that are present in the oxygen, yeast, and mold, those types of things. That's pretty common. I think if I was, though, to look at the mo biggest losses across the board, it's almost always density. It's not achieving the right density, so it's not getting the oxygen down low enough to early enough to where you don't have a lot of growth of the wrong type of bacteria, and they don't keep munching on it longer than we really want. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually not covering. All dairy people cover, I'm yeah. sure. You yes. guys all cover <laughs> that are listening today. Uh, beef people, not so much. And I think the difference is that you see it, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a lot easier to see the performance responses. And I think people underestimate how much actual dry matter loss they have when they don't cover, but also the feed value loss. So there's stuff that's still there, but they lost a lot of the, the candy out of it, right? So yeah. I think about it like chocolate chips, like all the sugar and the starches, that's all gone, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big one. And then one that I don't think that we talk enough about is actually about the floor. So if we think about shrink and loss, having that bare ground instead of concrete, we see a lot of loss due to what basically gets mixed into the mud mm -hmm. right as you're going. So like we can lose, you know, up to 20% of your dry matter because you're on bare ground if you get, you know, the wrong conditions. So 
I do think it, I know it's expensive to put concrete down, but if you start looking at how much silage actually costs, um, sometimes that pencils out fairly easily. Mm-hmm. So that's probably another big one that I don't think we give enough credit to. Yeah, so also it is expensive to put concrete down, but around here in Pennsylvania, there are a lot of conservation organizations that are actually funding feed pads or anything like that. So if you're listening and you're interested in getting a feed pad, then look into your local conservation organization funding. Yeah, totally. Uh, If you can take advantage of that, you should. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So how do these losses contribute to, well, you kind of mentioned it, to the feeding value of the remaining silage. Yeah, so I, I, I do think, um, as, we, as we talk about, a lot of times I think people underestimate shrink because what they see is the pounds going in, the pounds going out, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you track, which I know some people don't and a few people do, <laughs> but if you track, you're probably still underestimating it because what you don't realize is that you lose dry matter and nutrients and you gain moisture. So the percentage loss, it might you might pencil it out and say it's 5% if you are a really good manager. Mm-hmm. It's 5% on an as-fed basis. 5% on an as-fed basis is like 15% on a dry matter basis. Yeah. So a lot of people underestimate it, period. Mm-hmm. The other thing to remember is that what you are losing is the best parts of the feeding. Mm-hmm. So I think that is probably um, the twofold underestimation of what you're actually losing out of your silage when you actually don't get it done right. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what are your top three tips that you would share with a farmer to help prevent silage losses and why are these tips important? Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned, density is really important and probably everybody's heard the 800 pound rule, Mm -hmm. right? So it's 800 pounds of tractor weight per ton per hour of incoming silage. Okay, in my neck of the woods, it's really hard to achieve that because our choppers are big, mm-hmm. right? And they bring in so much that you need way too many tractors and they cannot fit on the bunker or the pile, right? It's yeah. just not possible. So, yes, as much tractor weight as possible is important, but we got to think about what you can't control. It's really hard to slow down that custom chopper. I realize that. But you can control the layers and how uh, deep and thick those layers are. Mm -hmm. So four to six inches is the goal. Okay, that is really, really important. And it is really hard to estimate. I've seen some people um, have some really cool things that they have done to try to help themselves figure out what am I doing. So Mm -hmm. like some will have actually a bar come off of their tractor and have uh, a little ruler on it so they can Mm -hmm. see how far they've lifted their loader bucket because you really do want it to be four to six inches. The other thing is, especially when you have it coming in fast, which a lot of us do, Mm -hmm. um, is that what happens is you get to the top of the slope and you're like, oh, I still got a half a bucket, right? And you lift the bucket up. And so you've actually created this layer that's not well packed. So the other thing, four to six inches, and then go ahead and make that slope longer and, and actually give yourself more opportunity to get that four to six inches distributed on the pile or the bunker, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But four to six inches is probably the number one thing that people can actually do. The other thing to think about is anything that's the opposite of what you do to, to reduce compaction <laughs> in the field, right? Yeah. So tires, pressure should be up, 
take off the dualies, you know, anything you can do to make it uh, compact a little bit better, put on any kind of weights that you possibly have, maybe make some. Yeah. Um, those are useful, but the four to six inches is, is a big one, and that's something that if you pay attention to that, it makes a huge difference. So in my mind, that's where it pays to actually put your time and effort in. Okay, so this is a spur-of-the-moment question here, but we have a lot of silos in this area, mm -hmm. and so how can you get silos packed better? Oh, that is a good question, and <laughs> I actually don't know that there's a whole lot you can do other than getting the moisture right. Okay. So I would say, especially with towers, um, getting the moisture right is really important. Uh, twofold, one of which is you don't want to have the effluent loss, and you can have more effluent loss from towers. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't want it too wet, yeah. right? But then also you don't want it too dry because it will not pack down, right? You're really depending on gravity and the yeah. force of the stuff above to pack. And so you want the weight of the water as much as you can without getting it too wet and actually having the wrong kind of fermentation or the effluent loss, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really all you actually can accomplish in my mind. Okay. Yeah, I had heard some farmers around here, they were actually taking the tarp and putting it on top of the... Mm -hmm the pack in the silo and putting water on it like two feet of water oh interesting to, to weigh it down and so that was their version of like weighting it down with tires but not tires water <laughs> so and then yeah. and then you just pull that off later and... yeah you have to like suck the water out and then take the tarp off and it packs it down I don't know how effective it is I haven't tested that method yeah but... <laughs> I, I actually never heard of that we we always would put something down and then put uh, lime on top because then oh, okay we didn't we just feed out the lime yeah but uh, yeah interesting yeah there's a uh, unique ways to do things sometimes <laughs> we do not have a lot of towers anymore <laughs> oh um, yeah Nebraska I can imagine that we call them gravestones yeah <laughs> All right, so what about, oh, we kind of went into this. What about storage structures? Is there a certain storage type that causes a greater loss than others? Well, I would say, at least from my experience, everybody likes piles because they're cheap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but they're not as cheap as you think because you have such big surface area on yeah. piles. And so surface loss on piles can be very, very high as well as, especially if you don't cover, uh -huh. yes. covering is very, very important because of the potential for surface loss on piles, as well as the fact that oftentimes it takes up a lot of, of area on the mm -hmm. ground, and so a lot of people do not have pads that are the right size for their piles. So yeah. now we've got the potential ground loss, and then we add in the feed out. So the other thing to remember is that the amount you pull off of the face is really important because mm -hmm. you have oxygen that gets in, right, and it gets in three feet into the face. And those yeast are waking up because they're there, mm -hmm. and depending on how good you were at the beginning, how many are there, yeah. right, to grow and multiply and explode. And so the goal is, right, that you're taking off at least six inches, right, off of the face, which means your face has to be sized right. And most people with piles do not have a small enough face for the feed out rate. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, um, there are some challenges with piles. I'm not saying piles are, you know, the worst thing ever. I'm just saying that you have to realize that there are costs with piles. And one of those is the fact that you can have this big shrink if you don't manage it properly. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, that's a challenge. Now there's the flip side, right? Which is if I am really small 
or I don't have a high feed out rate, right? There may be a reason to think to go the complete opposite way, which is bags, right? Mm-hmm. And bags are great in that they help you with oxygen exclusion, right? You're already covered, mm-hmm. um, but you still have challenges. Yeah. One of which is that you need a whole lot more surface area for the same tons. Um, another one is that you can have substantial losses with bags, especially if they're not on concrete. So just like a bunker or a pile, bags have that same challenge mm-hmm. where you end up mudding a lot in if things um, are not in good conditions, which always happens at some point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and then of course you have plastic. Now I'm going to argue you should have plastic with everything probably, but maybe tower silos, although mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. you're still probably going to have some, mm-hmm. uh, but not as much. So I think that argument is a little less. Um, it's going to be a little bit more plastic, but you should have plastic no matter what. Okay. At least my opinion. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess we're finishing up here, but do you have any takeaway messages that you would like to share with our listeners that are just burning? Oh, burning. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the thing that I would suggest is, and I know I'm a nerd, so I like <laughs> to think about, like, okay, putting the pencil to it. But I do think it's really important. I realize a lot of times it's like I don't have time is, is usually the biggest challenge, right? I do not have the labor or the time. That's the biggest excuse for not covering, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really should put the pencil to it. How much is it costing you not to do these things? Because sometimes when you start charging for that and realizing how much it's adding to the cost per ton of silage that you actually produce, you may be managing yourself out of silage. And what I mean by that is it may not be the most cost effective. Mm -hmm. So well-managed silage is great and it can be very cost effective. Poorly managed silage may be a situation where you shouldn't be making silage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would suggest people actually start thinking about, okay, what does it cost me to do these particular management procedures and actually just trying to keep track of what they are feeding out so they can have some idea of what that loss is. And then I'll make more work for for you guys and (laughs) come talk to your extension people and they can actually help you work through some of that math and think about it. But the idea of the concrete, for instance, sometimes when you start realizing how much it's costing you not to have concrete on the bottom, you realize it is worth it. It's an investment up front, but Mm -hmm. it's worth it. Same thing with covering as well as paying attention to some of those little details like getting your density where it needs to be, which can be a real challenge, especially with small grain silages. It's a real, real challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, But focusing on those critical details uh, pays dividends. Yeah, and home-raised feeds, at least in Pennsylvania, are much cheaper than buying in feeds. So managing your crops have always been important, but even more so important right now with feed costs being so high. So... Let's take all the advice that Mary gave us today and utilize that during harvest season. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you, Mary, for talking with us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. And if you have any further questions regarding this topic, you can email me at cab7033 at psu.edu. And I'm sure Mary will take questions as well so I can forward your questions to her. So don't forget to tune in next Tuesday where dairy educator Emily Fred will interview someone with Lalamond to discuss silo safety and silage safety. Thank you for listening.